here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. One by England, intercept! Dalton Papali looks like he's got the pace and he has, and the All Blacks in early. Now the cross-deck boy, we've seen some of these today, and it's worked brilliantly again. Here's the pace of Rico Ioanni. I think he's going to go all the way here. Rico Ioanni, what a try. Yes! As Youngs, Itoshi, short pass, here's Ribbons in the gap. Beautiful offload. England's starting to look pretty good now. 15 out from the line, Youngs. Remember, they've taken this from the kickoff. Youngs goes again, charging hard. Fullback Stewart. Marco Vuni Pola. Savia looking to turn it over. He thought he had it. Now it's with George. No, they haven't made it. Yes, they have. I'm not sure. Yes, Matthew, the ball has been. That looks like a try. And the try is awarded. England back in the game, however, only 50 seconds left. So now, what's the attitude? Settled for the draw? Yeah, it looks like it. England happy with the draw as Marcus Smith kicks it into touch. Wow, what a game of rugby that was. The All Blacks led by 25 to 6, and this man. Will Stewart, the prop, scored a couple of tries. Freddie Stewart scored a try. And what we finish up with at Twickenham is a 25-all draw. And that was how your All Black season finished for 2022. All Blacks 25, England 25. And welcome to the rugby run on the 19th day of November 2022. Stephen McIver in with 79 Test All Black Ian Carmo Jones, g'day mate. Nice to nice to see you. It's been such a long time. Yeah, thanks very much, Steve. Yeah, bit, bit of stranger. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang. On. We can start. Did you just call me Steve? Okay, we know we don't do that, right? Okay, I, I'm calling you out now. Okay, we start we start properly. It's Stephen, all right? Oh, Stephen. Sorry. Okay, <laughs> Stephen. Yeah, Stephen yeah, MacGyver. And, uh, nice to be in studio with you. Nice to talk code with you. Um, yeah. And nice to. You know, Get you, you know, well, I want you talking passionately about our All Blacks and well, about rugby. Uh, mate, I, I, so, so now that you've given me the fingers, that's good. Uh, I sat down and watched this this morning and I went, I, I was bewitched by the way the All Blacks play. I don't watch a ton of rugby, right? But every time I seem to watch the, the All Blacks, they bewitched me with their speed, uh, their skill level. And today, more than anything, even though the result didn't what, what wasn't what everybody wanted, which was a win, defensively, I thought they were outstanding for the majority of the game. What was your read on the game? Well, frustration in the end, no question about it. The All Blacks were the best team out there by a mile for 71 minutes. They absolutely dominated the speed of the game, the skill that you talked about, really good trajectory. Before I get too much into the game, and I know this is a me problem, Steve, not just a world rugby problem, but the frustrations from me from, I'm going to say French referees, but the referee that we've had a couple of times this year just absolutely frustrated me that a showpiece game, All Blacks versus England at Twickenham, resulted in 30 penalties, a stop-start nature 
of the game that even a rugby guy like me <laughs> almost loses a little bit of momentum and interest in the game because it's ne- no flow. Oh, when, it, when, when rugby is good, Steve. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great. It's a- and wonderful And read well, it's the best game on the planet. When the, the way it was controlled today, where these little, okay, people will say it's the players giving away the penalties, fair enough. Let's change the rules if that's the way the game has to be played. But the frustrating thing for me that stakeholders in the game like you, me, and the listeners and the watchers out there, we see these frustrations and there's no consequences to it. Now, I know it's a me problem because <laughs> I, I have a long history and I go to the frustrations of a French referee costing us the, the Lions series in 2017. That's how far my frustration goes back because they don't come out and explain why. So we're left bewildered and we don't know why. So we talked to the referee today. Why? You know, what what influence on the game did Rico Ioane being a little bit ahead of the kicker have on the game when the ball just went out? Or what you know, influence on the game when Aaron Smith was slightly ahead of the kicker when we won the ruck ball? Did they actually have in the outcome of the game? But we're not given that opportunity. So that's rants over, right? I mean, yeah, it, it did frustrate me about wow, it. Yeah, it's interesting you saw it like that because I didn't feel like there were 30 penalties in the game at all. It, it, for me, it flowed quite well for at least... Well, 70 minutes, and then it flowed a different way. So I'm, I'm, our views on the yeah. game are quite opposite, yeah. and, and you would have d- dealt, gone a lot deeper than I would have. But let's talk about the game, right? Is, it a, is finishing a game off at this particular point in the development of this team still an issue, albeit 14 men? Yeah, really interesting. The, the bench players that didn't have the same impact as those bench players that came off a week prior in Scotland for that 20 minutes of sublime and finished that game off in Scotland. Those guys didn't have the same impact. Clearly the 14 men. And I just wonder, Stephen, I'm not directly associated with the, the team, so I don't know what they're feeling. But you just think with 70 or nine minutes ago, the game was absolutely put to bed, right? And did they just mentally, and they won't say this because they're in the moment, right? No, yep. There's no way they're going to say they switched off. But I just wonder, in a couple of months' time in the review, or in two or three years' time when their careers are finished, they look back and just think, did we mentally switch off, put this game to bed, because it was a fantastic performance of 71 minutes, lose a man, then, uh-oh, hello, we, you know, TMO try goes against them, they awarded, then all of a sudden there's another try, and all of a sudden... It's a draw, and the game's actually out of their control. Um, you know, but right, right now, the All Blacks will not be thinking like that because you can convince yourself, absolutely, my mind was to finish that game. But I just wonder. Okay, so do you, do, you, do you speak like this from experience? Yeah, I do speak like this from experience because in 1997, we had an unbeaten run up until the final game of the season in Twickenham. We'd put 40-odd points at Old Trafford against England two weeks prior. We'd had a pretty good result against the Welsh at Wembley a week before. Uh, the team was humming, and the game was pretty much over as well. And I just look back now, and I think, well, was I starting to think, just personally, then you you wonder what the other 14 players were thinking mm. about this wonderful season that we've had. Great to get home and have see the family, have a bit of a break, you know, do some rehab, do some fishing, diving, whatever. Uh, interesting. And, and as we know, at elite sport, at the international level, if you are off your game by a percentage, you can lose it. 
and and maybe that's that that nine minutes allowed England into the game. It certainly did in '97 when we drew with them. And I'm just talking about my own personal experience. Yeah, look, I I I sort of take this approach now that the All Blacks are they're 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 not they're not infallible anymore, right? Everybody's catching up, right? Although you would have thought for 70 minutes that England were a different team. They were ponderous. I thought I thought their attack was horrible. I was wondering, where's this great Eddie Jones team? But isn't that the joy of modern sport now, of modern rugby now, that the best in the business, and I think we should still believe that the All Blacks are the best in the business, regardless of what has gone before us this season, because they have proven they can evolve. And I think that's where the, the lack of patience in the, in, in rugby listeners, rugby viewers happens. But isn't that something to at least celebrate that, yes, we didn't didn't lose, got the draw, but the contest is, is still alive right to the 80th, and that must not be forgotten. Or do you not buy into that argument? That's not my mindset, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at you going, okay, you're a neutral fan, and that is fantastic, and you love a contest. I love and a contest. And that is fair play. Not me, mate. I love the game to be buried uh, by half time, and I can sit back in my chair and, and just watch how mighty. Now, yep. now that, that, that's dreaming big, right? And, and we want to be ruthless in every game. Look at the the evolution of this team. Well, we are two different sides to the team that we lost the series against the Irish to the team we are now because we've got different coaches. We've got different personnel uh, within uh, the two people. Yeah, absolutely two people. Two people make a huge amount of difference, Stephen, because we have a forward leader now, and Jason Ryan, who absolutely is through his selection policies is picking a tight five that can dominate matches. The physicality of our tight five the last few games has meant we've got some ball going forward. When and Aaron Smith has got ball going forward, best in the world. Well, can, Absolutely can, can we, no can question. We, can we stop there right on Aaron Smith, right? From his first touch today to the time where I still think he shouldn't have been subbed at all, they were a different team. And I have to say, once he was gone, I didn't think the team were as good, along with the substitution of Dolan Papalili. Yeah, he's only ever going to be good, as is Richie Mwanga, as is any of those back lines, if you have domination up front. When you don't have domination up front, even the world-class player like Aaron Smith will struggle in a test match. So that's really, I think, been the big point of difference from one, Jason Ryan. And clearly the second one, we're a different side from the start of the year, because Joe Smith, now whether he's brought some tactical awareness, it doesn't matter. What I really think he's brought is this real... Uh, standards uh, to this team. I believe just, and once again, I'm only on the outside, but just seeing... But you're entitled the, to have These guys opinion, go through right? the warm-up routines and just looking at what I can just feel as their standards is certainly being lift under a guy like Joe Smith. When you have standards 24-7, Stephen, in the training paddock, yeah. what happens in the training paddock leads to what happens it, in the field. It doesn't say much of what's gone before Joe Smith came in, and I think we should be, remind ourselves of that, but not dwell on it. Tactically, what do you think Joe Schmidt has brought to this team? Well, I just think he's given every player an absolute belief in what their role is within the team. So everyone's really, really clear on what my job is, what I need to do out there, and trust the other 14 people that are doing exactly what they're being tasked to do. When you're not exactly 100% sure of your role and not exactly 100% sure of what player B beside you is doing, often and this is never a great thing, you can try and cover player B, C or D. Now, rugby players aren't that smart. We can do one job pretty damn well, but when we try to do two or three other players' jobs, 
It's never any good. Mate, all, most overworld players deserve that very small percentage that are smart. The rest of you, give me do what I know and I know what I'm doing. Um, let's get some feedback and, and hear some audio from what, uh, afterwards because I know I want, you to, I want you to calm down about it because I think the rant's got you at a level <laughs> and I know you've come off your training run before the top of man. so I just want you to take, take a wee breath, calm up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> let's hear what uh, Ian Foster had to say about the result. For the first 70 minutes and one for the next 10, so um, it was uh, it was a game of drama, um, and uh, you know to come away with 25 all draws probably something we're pretty disappointed with. I felt our first 70, we we uh, to me we were really played the sort of rugby that we want to get to. We were um, we had a great tour, and we were pretty determined to come to this game against a team that was very physical against us three years ago and and we struggled to control the game line against and thought tonight we did that really, really well and put ourselves into a position that we, we should have been a little bit better but um, credit to England, the way they came back, that card sort of galvanised them and um, and their performance in the last 10 is you know is, is worthy of a lot of credit. But, uh, you know, 25 all to finish the year, whilst it's frustrating, it was... Large parts of that performance I'm particularly proud of and think shows us a lot of the progress we've made in the second half of this year. Well, we went down one, clearly, and we'll probably have to pull it apart and have a look, but clearly they started to bend us. They Once we're down to 14, they went wide wide and, and we weren't able to stop them bending and so we just got them on the front foot. It's probably the the type of ball that they were trying to get from the start of the game and couldn't quite get it and but they certainly got it at the end. So, you know, it's a it's a good growth point for us. We've got to make sure we nail that. But um, um, you know, again so it was disappointing but that they did what they had to do well and, and we couldn't stop that in that last part. You know, I think I said in the media after the game that, you know, there were We'll certainly, I think, be more disappointed than them. Um, I think that, you know, we've got to end of the day, it is a draw. We, we come and played some great rugby and and in our mind we, we we should have walked away with a win and, and we didn't get it in that last 10. But, um, um, you know, upon reflection, it's... Um, I mean, you can tell from us we're a little bit flat still, aren't we? But it's... Uh, you know, I, I, I love the way we played for large parts of that game and showed that we, uh, you know, some of the things that we, we, we've been making good gains and I think we're, we're moving well, we're, but shows we're not quite there yet. Not. And uh, in some ways it's not a bad spot to be eight months out, ten months out from a pretty big tournament. Not quite there yet. Fair enough. Fair enough, right? Again, the focus turns into France next year. I'd say they're pretty close. Well, what I'd say, Stephen, is now that we're in the mixer, absolutely without question, because I get back and I just keep harping on about it all the time, <laughs> and I am a broken record. We do have a tight five now with our selections um, that we know we can win good quality ball. We can get ball going forward. And when you can do that, everyone can play. Before we go to Graham on that line, because I want to hear people's calls, 0800 150 that's 0800 150 if you want to hear from and get uh, Carmo's opinion. Do we have enough depth at lock? Oh, no question we have enough depth at lock. I looked at today's uh, performance for Scott Barrett 
uh, at six. And I just wondered in those dying moments with, uh, you know, with this great respect to Brodie Vitalik and Sam Whitelock, whether we needed a fresh lock on the bench because a couple of those defensive errors late in the half were our talisman, our, our second rowers, uh, who went you know, tirelessly, for, worked hard for the whole time. But did we need like a Shannon Frizzell at six and a Scott Barrett coming on uh, off the bench? But Scott Barrett's a good guy to have out there because he's a hard-working player and sometimes the longer the game goes, the better Scott Barrett gets. So I understand the selection. But yes, I do think we have the depth at lock, Yes. All right, it's one seventeen. If you'd like to talk to Carmo and, and give us your thoughts about the 25-all draw, 0800 is the number. That's 0800 Or you can text on the Temper Bedpost text line. That's double eight double three. Good afternoon to you, Graham. G'day, Stephen. Hey, Ian, how are you? Very well, thank you, Graham. Yeah, no, um, well summarised by you, Ian, I thought. Um, yeah, no, it was a hell of a game. <laughs> I, I'm not normally complacent, but I thought the All Blacks... Um, you know, I asked with my brother-in-law, and he said, oh, I know that you've got to watch this English team, and he got proved right. I thought they were sort of meandering around. It didn't seem to have an attack, just like you said. Um, but their substitutions, yeah, you know, made a big difference. Oh, that was just one factor, really. Um, yeah, I thought the All Blacks, um, you know, played... Once again, it, it was a bit of a, a schizophrenic performance by the All Blacks in some ways, Um well, it was probably more good than bad, but they blew a chance to beat England. I think. I think um, you know you're right about the lock. So I think, you know, as people say about the draw, but I think Sam Whitelock, you know, is the man for the captaincy. Um, I know that people think otherwise, and some got different points of view. But I think that he does bring a calmness, even though you know people say, "Oh, we, you know, we blew a lead," but that, you know, I think he he does bring that direction. You know, and as you say, Retallick, you know. It was just a shame for him, but you know, such a great player, 100th game, and Scott Barrett, um, you know, um, was one of the best. But I do think that um, that, that that our probably our you know reserve selection or uh, what do they call them now? Um, really, I, I don't think it was you know a great. Yeah, we didn't use it as well. The English sort of just fell into place with theirs, whereas obviously we were down one when Bodie got um, carded. But um, yeah, maybe our bench. Um, wasn't brought, you know, what the right ones maybe not, not not entirely there. I don't know what you think about that, the reserve selection. Well, but, Graham, um, I've never seen a game, a test match turn around so damn quickly. I was a bit like you. I'd, I'd uh, shut up shop with, with nine minutes to go. I thought this is the game and we're done. Happy days. Uh, another one over England. Uh, so I was pretty, pretty complacent as well. Uh, more for me. Uh, absolutely, and maybe once I get get back to that point, it'll be really interesting in hindsight where they do can reflect uh, the players, whether they, they, they see that as something that maybe, and once I get back to my point, Stephen, that they're elite athletes, they won't be in that mindset at the moment. Do you but th- you have to ask the question, and when the review goes through, yeah. I will be damn interested, <laughs> if they're honest, to come out and say... <laughs> We'd switched off. Man, you just cannot you just switch want off. Them to say that, don't you? Oh, want, you no, want I, I, well, I, I, honesty. I, I, we want a bit of honesty, right? Yeah, I want honesty, but I just know because I mean, I was a spectator and I switched off. You know what I mean? I, I switched off thinking, "Well done, happy days, boys. You've, you've, this is a great result." Just quickly, do you think the bench let the All Blacks down? No, I didn't think they let them down. I mean, down to fourteen men. That's you know, yeah. that was a. And Bodie didn't let us down either because he. Another another, oh, another games, 
Yeah. Yeah. A referee might have seen it differently and it's appealing to the All Blacks. Who knows? That's what... We, God, I want to get oh, back on the referees. Yeah, okay, Stephen, don't let me there. I'll start calling you Steve all yeah, afternoon. No, 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 There's no I, way I can do that. I've already you, been red carded. You, you need a coffee and a baguette. It's yeah, 1.20. 1.20 on the rugby run with Stephen McIver <laughs> and All Black Ian Jones. Back surely, if you want to call us and ask Ian his thoughts, please do so. 0800 150811 or text on the Timber Bedpost text line. That's double eight double three. 125 on SNZ. This is the Rugby Run on a Sunday afternoon with Stephen McIver and Ian Jones. We're going to hear from Liz Elder, who uh, called time on her Blackfern's career uh, earlier this week. We'll hear from her after two. And uh, I like to call him. I like to call him the uh, uh, the Samoan Ray Warren. Ken, you know I'm talking about, right? I do. Ken, Ken Laban. Laban. Is it? <laughs> We're going to hear out from the Ken. back door. <laughs> We're going to talk to Kenny around 2.30 to get his read on the match as well. The one thing, and we've just been talking about this off air, the one thing you and I reference with the Black, we're talking about the Blackburns, is the keyword entertainment. And in the All Blacks, they have two entertainers that are naturally gifted entertainers. One is Rico Ioane. The other, and every time I look at Richie Mwanga and I'll go, this, this cat, he is the coolest cat going around. But every time he touches the ball... There is never any doubt in his mind, you see it, what he's going to do with it. Well, very quickly, Richie Mawanga, broken record time, Stephen, but, you know, on the back of four Better domination and the back of Aaron Smith's beautiful passing, Richie Mawanga can have time. When you have time, he can make decisions. When he makes decisions in time, his confidence, his step, his strength can start to dictate and push forward towards the defensive line. When you have a 10 running towards the defensive line, the opposition have to start asking questions. When you ask questions about a rugby player, you don't always get the right answer, right? When a rugby player doesn't have to answer a question, think, bang, you tackled. So, so, so they, they yeah. don't ask him a question, yeah. don't give him more one thing to think but, about. But Richie Mwanga is absolutely, when he when he can push forward and run onto the ball like any athlete, when Bowden Barrett's at 10 with a dominant forward pack, he's world-class, in fact, best in the world uh, in previous years. So, yeah, Richie Mwanga there was good on the back of Aaron Smith's performance, but Rico Ioane, to me, I mean, he's outstanding, and I was absolutely on my feet on that left-hand touch when he scored that runaway try. Oh. Beautiful, you know, world's best winger. But as a centre, he's got that speed, that step, and bang, that strength uh, to do what we want to do. So him and Geordie and, and uh, Combo, two big boppers. Big Borans really like that. Rico Ioane, class player, but it's more on the back of, of what we can do up front. The other standout performer for me, and I was really, really pleased uh, with his performance, Dalton Puppley ER7. Yep, amazing read, and that would have been a lot of scouting for his breakaway try, first one of the match. But boy, he just committed to it, which was good. But the work he does at the breakdown didn't do many turnovers, but he, God, he slowed it down a hell of a lot, gave us time to reset. So I think he's been a huge comer on this uh, end of year tour. He's made huge strides. He was the one under a lot of pressure, right? Let's 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 be honest. Everybody was calling for Dalton to be put into the All Blacks, so he gets into the All Blacks and didn't really start with a bang. This is, a, and we talk about evolvement of players in a World Cup year. That would be one of the biggest evolvers. I think so. He, I think he's made the biggest, hugest strides. And with the greatest respect to Sam Kane, and you've got to look back and think. I know they're different players, but would Sam Kane have scored the Dalton Puppet he tried today? I mean, I think in all honesty, you'd have to say the answer is no. Although Sam Kane would have done some great work at the breakdown, equally as so. Uh, but the balance that they had there this afternoon with you know Adi Savia, the athletic 
industrious Aries Javier at eight, really hard working blindside flanker and Scotty Wardrum. Shannon Brazel could do the same job. And just the size, strength, and energy of Dalton Papali, he could have gone, and I was surprised he didn't uh, go the whole 80. I'd love to have seen him because I do, I do believe he made a difference when he left the field. And I don't know uh, the coaching staff or Ian Foster's reasons why they did that. Maybe they thought also, get back to it, is the game in the bag? Let's, let's chuck out our reserves, get everyone a game. Uh, well, clearly that come back yeah, to bite us. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're going you're gonna, to, you're gonna, well, then we, when the cynics come and say, we just shouldn't be giving away jerseys, right? We shouldn't be giving away caps when you say, give them a game. It's not about that, right? No, it's about, about building, uh, giving guys experience in, in the cauldron. Uh, but you know, don't get me onto the subject of, of bringing a dude on for 50 seconds okay. and, and giving it all. That. We, we've got to move away from that because that's another rant. Yeah, okay, let's not get onto it. Let's, let's uh, pick up of what you said about Sam Kane. Yes or no for the World Cup? Let's because questions will now be asked. Yes but to the World Cup. Being, poor old Sam. There's always questions being asked. Yes to the World Cup, and the reason I say yes to the World Cup is because experience matters. To have Sam Kane highly respected within the playing group uh, of the All Blacks, highly experienced. That the the pool games that we're going to have to use him for the fatigue uh, injury factor is going to be a. You just issue. said pool games we're going to yeah, use them for. So you, you haven't said anything special apart no, I from have that. Not. So you're saying it's time for a captaincy change? Quite possibly. But he, Don't give me the quite possibly. You've, you've just no, about said it. No, quite possibly because he's got to be given the opportunity to, to, to make that test spot of captaincy of his own. But Dalton Papali has made huge strides. So he also has to be given the opportunity to wear that seven jersey for those key games. But injuries are going to be a factor. Yeah. We know that. Experience is going to be a factor. We know that. So we've got a very experienced open side flanker and Sam Kane that can be part of the squad. Whether he's good enough to play those key matches that we really want him to play, mm-hmm. well, it's over to them. Mm, okay, it's half past one. It's time we probably heard from the opposing coach. This is Eddie Jones after the match. I thought we played with tremendous spirit in the first half. I thought New Zealand was superb in the first half. Uh, I can't recall a New Zealand side playing as well as they did in the first half. Aggressive, sharp around the ruck, good attacking kicks. And we just had to hang in there. You know, we hung in there, we hung in there. And then started the second half, uh, we're able to put some pressure pressure back on them. Um, And the first 20 minutes of the second half, I thought we were the dominant team, but it didn't convert to any points. Um, And then all of a sudden, you know, someone blows some magic dust and, and the passes start to click. The lines are a bit sharper. thought our finishes came on and, and really improved the, the game we wanted to play. Um, and sometimes that happens. Like Mako came on and, and ran some really good lines in the centre of the field that enabled us to attack with a bit, a bit straighter on the outside. Um, so the game changes. So it's a, it's a really important game for us that we play with such spirit. Yeah, how much heart do you take from that fight back personally? Uh, no, it's a, it's a good moment for the team. You know, there's a lot of guys out there, or a few of the guys out there playing the, in key positions, playing their first test against New Zealand, and, and sometimes that can be a dawning experience because they go after you. You know, they would have had certain names of players. We know the All Blacks target three or four players, and, and they go after them, and, and you've got to be able to handle that baptim, baptism of fire. And sometimes you don't, but you've got to learn from it. And the next time they play, they'll be even better. How big an impact can that result have on confidence and belief as well as you look towards the World Cup? 
Oh, well, I think for us, you know, we're, we're building a, a team that, that's got to be able to play in a number of different ways, and that was the great thing about that last little bit. You know, that's some of the things we've been working on, being able to play, play uh, a much more aggressive attacking game, and, and we were able to do that. Um, and, and just the role of the 23, like, just so important for us, that the 23 wins the game. Well, I thought second half we played really well. You know, the only thing we didn't do in the first 20 minutes was convert the pressure we had to points. Um, but I thought we played really well, and I thought that put us in a position to win the game. You know, we're disappointed we didn't win the game. Um, but a draw's a draw. Um, and the dominance they had in the first half, we could have fell away, mate. You know, it could have been, you've seen better teams than us fall away against the All Blacks and get beaten by 40 or 50 points, you know, I've coached teams that have done that. When you get absolutely pulverised like them, by them, like we were in the first half, and you don't stay in the fight, you can get blown away even more. And we stayed in the fight, which I think the leadership of the team was outstanding. You know, Owen did a great job in his 100th cap with Genj and, and Jack Knoll. And then the other significant thing was the support of the crowd. The crowd was absolutely fantastic. You know, which definitely lifted the players. So we're grateful to the 81,641 that were there. Um, I don't know what happened to the other 349. They missed the good game. Right. Yeah. Um, so they'll be kicking themselves, and we hope there's 82,000 there next week, complete, um, because it's going to be some, a hell of a game next week. Eddie Jones Reid on the 25 all draw, disappointed he didn't lose. Talks about having to change the way they play the game to become more all black like and be more aggressive and it's all about the role of the 23. Uh, it's good Eddie speak, right? Oh, I love Eddie. I mean, in terms yeah. of for, for you being a journalist, he's good copy, Great of copy. course. But they're not disappointed with, with the draw. They, they proved they weren't disappointed with the draw because they hoofed the ball out uh, when they had the opportunity to do something. So nine, nine minutes prior to that, they were getting spanked. Uh, all yeah, of he sudden, says first we were in control for the first from the get go. Like the first twenty minutes, of the game. Well, Eddie, yeah. you, you scored a penalty in the forty-second minute. Then Rico Iwani uh, scored in the fiftieth minute. He substituted a, a deer in the headlights as halfback Van Portlet in the fifty-fourth minute. It wasn't. Uh, by the way, uh, Bodie Barrett scored a drop goal in the seventy-first yeah. minute. It wasn't until the seventy-second minute, which is like almost you know a bit more than the twenty minutes. So I so it was. Uh, the coach can say that fair play to him and. and not criticising Eddie, but mate, they, they're not they're not disappointed with the draw because <laughs> mate, they weren't looking like a draw with nine minutes to go, right? And no. he was he had a different thought in his mind. Uh, all of a sudden, they got the draw. Let's hoof the ball out, <laughs> and they should be happy with that. No, no um, doubt about that at all. But yeah, Eddie's Eddie. Um, but um, you know, when you're an All Black, and I'd, once more, you got to play with emotion, but with a cool head. Um, you can't let an Eddie Jones frustrate you. Oh. No, no. I think I think the disappointing one for him would have been the young halfback. He 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 looked out of his depth in that in that, that yeah, game. Yeah, he's learned something from his young halfback, and his young halfback would have w- walk away and learn something himself from that performance. Um, once more, you know, we I know it's it's a cliche, but it's cliche for a reason, Steve. It's it's a learning, right? And and, it, and how he develops from that will be the learning. Before we take a break, how intimidating is it playing at Twickenham? That crowd. Uh, it's fantastic. It really is a theatre. It really is an arena. Just painting the picture. You can't drive in 
to to the grounds at Twickenham because of this big beautiful golden gate. So you drive <laughs> through the car park with the Rolls Royce and the Bentleys and these you know, <laughs> parties that you you kind of look down at. You want to be at. Then they, you park just outside, and there's about a fifty or sixty meter walk from the bus into the the door to the changing room. So they they make this kind of human tunnel. Uh, you walk through it, pats on the backs or jeers or whatever the case may be, and that really is exciting because you're going into this theatre, eighty thousand people at uh, Twickenham. And it's kind of about 10, 15 minutes out from hitting Twickenham is where you hit the bars, you know, Richmond, the Twickenham area. Uh, the streets are crowded. It's a, it's a real buzz. It's an excitement. You really are excited to play there and you go out. It's always immaculate. It's a great nick, uh, Twickenham. And then the theatre of, of the, the build-up and you know, the, the anthems and all the rest of it. Um, it, it really is a special place to play. Uh, but once the, the crowd, like we saw at Eden Park for the Black Ferns game, home ground does make a, a difference. Home advantage is a thing. Uh, and they do become your 16th voice. A- and you ride the energy of the crowd. Of course, when you're the opposition team, all you're doing is let's shut this crowd up. Let's use their energy for us. Let's silence that crowd. Take away that advantage. But once the crowd kind of get themselves into the game, like they did that last nine minutes, like they did at Eden Park and got our Black Ferns across the line, they are a thing. Wow, okay. Wonderful experiences. 138 with Ian Jones and Stephen McIver. This is the Rugby Run. More coming your way. Stay with us. 142, this is the Rugby Run with Stephen McIver and 79 Test All Black Ian Jones. Reflecting on the 25-all draw, there were other results. We'll talk about them a little bit later, but we should hear from those that were out in the middle. Here's Sam Whitelock. Just chatting to Richie Mwanga there, he didn't, a bit speechless. Does it feel like a defeat? Yeah, we, we wanted to come out here and win and uh, we didn't do that. So it felt like we were really good for the first 60 and then we just shut up shop and forgot to play. During your last few test matches, you have had a bit of a late wobble in games. Teams have come back at you and England have done exactly that today. Well, what's going on there, do you think? It just shows that teams uh, don't go away and uh, England did that tonight. They didn't go away and uh, went in, in swings and, and bouts. Like we had the momentum at the start and then they came back and squeezed us a little bit. They probably didn't get the reward on the scoreboard, but just shows when they had the momentum at the end, they were scoring tries. You took your tries in that first half really, really well. It's something people always say about the All Blacks. They're so clinical. Where does that come from? Yeah, I felt like we were clinical at the start, but at the same time, we weren't at the end. You know, we had opportunities with the ball with five minutes to go, and we're just coughing up, giving away penalties, and that was giving away points. So it's the end of the, end of the season for us, but it's something that we're going to have to have a good look over over the holiday break. And how do you reflect on your season as a whole? Four defeats as you head towards the World Cup, which is actually only 10 months away. Yeah, this game uh, probably summed it up. It had that bit of a yuck feeling to it. Um, you know, it was there for the taking. We just didn't take it. So that's something that we're going to have to get better at. Yeah, appreciate your time. Thank you. So that was uh, Sam White, like Skipper, at 144. Okay, let's let's put something in. Let's you and I agree on something. The four defeats had gone, right? That four from six at the start, it's done. We don't need to keep going back to that, right? No, different team, different coaching personnel, which we've already highlighted. Totally different start to the year to the end of the year, but that's that's gone now too. Because this is what I struggle with. Mark Hinton's a, uh, an acquaintance. He's, he writes for stuff, but I couldn't believe in his uh, article today uh, the one line, and I don't care whether he likes me saying this. Up, he goes, "Make quote, make no mistake, this was an All Blacks choke of the highest order." 
It no. wasn't a choke. Well, uh, if they'd been out 15 0 and, 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 and last year, but, you know, this is footy. Mate, it, it's not a choke. We're down four, 14 v 15, huge difference right there. And uh, we're taking off a quality, well, one of the best players in the world, yep. right? And Bowden Barrett. For 71 minutes, we were absolutely the dominant team out there. Um, you know, I get back and keep reflecting, yeah. broken record. You know, <laughs> d- does your mind switch off a little bit? Human nature suggests it does. When You know, no matter how much you train your brain or how much you convince yourself, Stephen, we're all put yourself in your own scenarios. Do you, yeah. Did you think the game was won? If you say yes, well, you, your mind probably switched off a little bit. I certainly, as a spectator, well, assume they'd won it. Because of the way they were playing. Because of the way they were playing. How Mate, could you, you not? You, you, you can play for time that last nine minutes, you know, even with the French referee out there who we know <laughs> <Stop> won't, <it. laughs> won't allow you to, to play for time. You can. There is sportsmanship and gamesmanship we could have had out there. So, no, I, I refute <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that word that, um, that we choked. Um, but it's they will be disappointed. They will be frustrated. But, gee, they, they are a better side today than they were at the start of the and year. And I think we have to, we have to accept where they uh, need improvement, because I'm not going to call them failings, where they need improvement, but we have seen that improvement going forward. Text on the Temper Bedpost text line. Uh, let's start with the good for the year. This is the last rugby run. Young front row, a big tick. Geordie at 12, a big tick. So some big questions answered. Just need other few things to fall into place. What now, as I think we've answered this one, for Kane versus Papi Lee, what now for Will Jordan? Would surely be a mistake to drop Papa Lee, and I think finally Jordan must go to 15 and Bowden back to the bench next year. Big decisions to be made. Well, that is a really, really good question right there because we look at the influence in, over time of Bowden Barrett, and when has he been his most effective coming off the bench? His ability to attack, uh, has he lost a, a smidgen of speed? Well, maybe you have to say yes. Will he find it again in Super Rugby next year to put himself back in the frame for that 15 jersey? Let's damn hope so. Because he, he does sniff out an opportunity. He's got a rugby brain on him. Uh, but what I mean by rugby brain, he knows where to be. If you know where to be at the right time... He can do more than one two things. Yep, you score the tries that we've seen Bowden Barrett. Uh, <laughs> seen, but the Will Jordan, with with, um, with the way the wings are set up, and with maybe his Jordan now 12 now... It does leave an opportunity for 15. Will Jordan hopefully will play 15 for the Crusaders? Will Jordan will dominate for the Crusaders in Super Rugby next year? Should put him in line for that All Black jersey? That is a good shout. And Bodie is damn good off the bench. All right, Stephen and Ian, I can see Dalton Papali becoming All Black captain in their future. The work rate of the guy is massive. And Mark Talia, yes, what a game. Not sold on Mawanga, though. The sum of his kicking is shocking, but love the test, says Ken. Uh, I would have thought Sevilla was a first up if you're going to replace, potentially, uh, if you're not going to have Whitelock. But uh, let's talk about the kicking, the cross-kicking. Uh, it's a straight steal from rugby league. We've seen it done before. But done effectively, it's a joy to watch in rugby because of the open space you're allowed. And it's been the best way for the All Blacks to counter the rush defence, out to win defence. I've absolutely seen that. Did they overplay their hand today? Well, I don't know. But what it really has done is highlight to the opposition teams once more looking mm. forward to Rugby World Cup and France next year, they have to really spread their defence. When you spread their defence, there has to be some bigger gaps in the midfield. 
Jordy Barrett to attack, Rico Ioane to attack, maybe Will Jordan coming in timing his run from fullback to attack. But that is really setting a notice. We don't have to do that at Rugby World Cup next year, but why overplay our hand? But teams know we can do it. Yeah, and they'll try it themselves. But the, the All Blacks are smart enough to counter. It's 1.49 back shortly on the Rugby Run. 153, this is the Rugby Run with Stephen McIver and Ian Jones. 0800 150811. If you'd like a bit of a chat, we both love a chat, trust me. Or 8833, this one from Anthony uh, Carmo. I love my rugby, but how do these refs penalise a tackler who tackles the ball carrier, then gets stuck to the right-hand side with three opposing players over him, so he's stuck, not impeding the ball, which is therefore the halfback and carry-on ref. And by the way, uh, replacements, well, maybe just leave some players on. You don't start me again on the referees. I know there's three or four occasions uh, on both sides. Tackle ball, pin down, can't do anything about it. Has no impediment, as you mentioned, on the flow of the game penalty. If we all get frustrated by it, and there's enough of us because we really want to see ball in play, this is an entertainment spectacle that we want to see, let's change the damn rules. Let's give the referees the ability to say, OK, player A laying on the, on the other side. It's not by the ball, not impeding the flow. Let's play on. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what we saw from this French referee, we didn't see that. We saw technical penalties that really had no bearing on the outcome of of that particular play, blowing the whistle. And I might have mentioned it in my rant before, but this (laughs) referee on maybe 10 other occasions went to put his uh, whistle to his mouth, wanting to blow, but for whatever reason didn't. So he could have had another bloody 10 penalties on the top of the 30. Uh, it's, uh, It's a ridiculous amount of penalties. And people say, yep, the supplier's giving it away. I absolutely understand that. But this is a a flowing, free-flowing game of Well, this sport. is what we want it to, to be. We want it to be. Uh, let's keep that free-flowing movement going. Uh, but, yeah, I, I understand that frustration. We need to change it. I mean, we, we can go on and on about the referees. And believe me, I love going on and on about Honestly, them. I'm, I'm quite surprised. But, but I'm I, not. I'm quite surprised at you. I didn't think you were yeah, the sort of quite I, an angry man like this. Yeah, well, <laughs> not angry, but frustrated. And when a rugby guy like me, Stephen, is watching a, a big, you know, tier one test match yeah. and you lose a little bit of interest because you get frustrated with referees, what are the new people that we've brought to the game after the Blackfern success and we love new people coming into the greatest game in the world. Um, how are they feeling? If I feel like that, and that's what I always think about. All right, uh, we'll talk about this after. But just to update you on some of the other results before we go to uh, two o'clock, and we're talking to a former Blackfern, Liz Elder, on her retirement. Georgia thirteen, Wales twelve. Ireland 13, Australia 10, Scotland 52, Argentina 29, South Africa 63, Italy 21, France, Japan tomorrow morning. If you're the coach of Wales, you'd be a little bit nervous. <laughs> You've been being beaten by a tier two nation who, who, by the way, Georgia face Wales in pool play in France oh, next do year. They? Yippity do. <laughs> Yippity do. What a way to finish the first hour of the rugby run. Stay with McIver and Carmo coming your way after two o'clock. Former Blackfern Liz Alder on her retirement. Plus, we'll talk to the Samoan Ray Warren. That's right. Rugby commentator Kenny Laban will recap the 2022 All Black season and a whole lot more. Stay with us right here on SENZ. 
just gone two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, the 19th of November for 2022, and that's the sort of sort of music that gets me into that Sunday afternoon groove, and I'm sure our next guest probably enjoys a bit of groove. It is former Black Ferns captain Les Elder, who played 22 tests for the Black Ferns and 22 years in rugby. Welcome to the show, and congratulations on a hell of a career. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me, and yeah, yeah, it's... Um a weird feeling that it's all come to an end, but a good one as well. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did it feel right to do it now? Yeah, I mean, my my intention was always to um, retire at the end of this year. Um, so, you know, obviously the plan was to play a World Cup and and then retire. But um, as is rugby, it, it unraveled the way it did, and. Yeah, but the, the plan to retire didn't change. I did consider having one more round of Opiki, Super Rugby Opiki, mm-hmm. but um, nah, I, I was ready. Liz, Ian Jones here. Congratulations on your career and uh, outstanding work you did on the panel for Spark, Spark Sport, which we'll talk about soon. But why rugby? What got you into our great sport? Um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of everything. It was around me all the time. Um, I've got four brothers and no sisters, a very competitive dad who represented King Country. So um, rugby was just around me 24-7. But I did actually play netball majority of my life um, until I decided I wanted to give rugby a go when I was about 14. So, so what's, but yeah, just loved it. When did you flip the switch and say, you know what, I am going to give rugby? Was there a seminal moment? Um, yeah, it was pretty much in 2014. My, oh, sorry, no, I was 14. It would have been <laughs> 2001, I think. So, um, but my dad and my mum, well, my mum had coached me through netball, and I was quite an aggressive netballer. Um, and my dad kind of said to me, "Oh, why don't you give rugby a go?" Um, so yeah, that was the point where I was just like, "Oh, well, I'll make a season of this." I played both, but I continued to play both and everything in between. Basketball touch the whole work. So. But it was um, when I was 14 that I actually decided I'd have a... I worked through a whole season of rugby. Liz, we don't want any barriers in any sport, and certainly rugby union at the moment. When you were playing way back then, you were a 14-year-old and getting into your rugby, uh, New Zealand was a different spot. Was there any barriers <laughs> that you had to overcome? Oh, yeah. Like, when I decided to play, there was no girls' team at my high school. So um, I rocked up to the under-14 boys school muster and you know all the teachers were a bit shocked and the boys were too so originally I wasn't allowed to play and it took I guess two pretty courageous parents to go to the school and dispute why that shouldn't be right and um, yeah my mum and dad probably protected me from a lot of that stuff but they did um, go to war for me to be able to play Um, and then I think it's just a little thing like I would have a separate changing room for the boys um you know, just the logistical stuff about staying overnight on camps and things like that, if it was safe for me and, and even safe for the boys. So just those sorts of things that I guess an only girl and a male team has to go through. Did that make you question why you were playing rugby or did it make you even uh, your, make your resolve even greater, say, no, no, this is where I'm going to be and I'm going to show you? Yeah, no, it, it never made me... It never made me um, shy away from the game or consider, you know, reconsider it at all. If anything, the boys really looked after me and probably felt a bit of, um, I don't know, they protected me, I guess. Um, but like I said, my parents did a lot in silence, and so I don't actually know 
probably the struggles that they would have gone through. Um, I was only playing boys rugby for a year, and then the following year I started a, a girls team at my high school. Um, so all those kind of the barriers changed, I guess. It now became about how far we had to travel to play in a competition and things like that. I'll jump in there and talk about barriers. And there's a lot of money floating around New Zealand rugby at the moment with a Silver Lake deal coming through, and that's now filtered down to the unions. There's a big pool out there that clubs, and I urge clubs in New Zealand to jump on this and help out the new Les Elders and all our young women that want to play. And there's a fund to start upgrading your changing rooms. Don't let the Les Elders of the world shower separately. Get these cubicles, get the women's facilities up to, to a standard that is the same for everyone, male and female, coming into the club. So please, clubs, sit. Don't sit back. Go and get apply for that funding, and get our yeah. change rooms and our facilities up to a standard. Would that help, Liz? One hundred percent. And I mean, I'm in. I'm thirty five years now. Years old now. I've been playing for a long time, and still we play in facilities where there are not the right. Um, you know, things available for women. And you think, you know, that time of months and things like that, you've got to have certain facilities in a changing shed to allow for, you know, to provide for that. And there are facilities that don't have those sorts of resources. So I 100% agree with you on that one. Um, I know that that takes a bit of investment. But, um, yeah, I guess if we want to make it a game for all where females feel welcome in our club rooms and things like that, then it's definitely a step in the right direction. Ian and I have been talking about the All Blacks evolving, but I want to ask the question, in your time in rugby, how much has the the women's game evolved and how much more can it evolve? Yeah, I mean, it's, I've, I've seen it grow through, go through a whole lot of stages, obviously, over the 22 years. Um, and we're at a real... We're at a time in history, I guess, now where we can really move on this momentum. And saying that momentum... I do believe momentum has been growing since the 2016 Olympics um, where the first sevens team was in that Olympics. And then 2017, the Black Ferns won the World Cup and there was a huge shift in momentum then. But I feel like right now it's supercharged and so we really need to take take advantage of that. Um, and I hope that there's more investment put into our domestic competitions just to grow those pathways the, the gap between FCC and the Black Ferns is too big, so that OPICI program, you know, has real potential to um, boost the profile of the game and actually close that gap as well. Liz, with your day job, you're in the perfect position to see and capitalise on this new growth of women's rugby with the Bay of Plenty Rugby Union. What are you doing, or your union doing, to capitalise on the success? Yeah, well, I'm not, I no longer work at the Bay of Plenty Rugby Union. I finished up there in 20, after having my daughter, so a couple of years ago. Um, but I know there's a bit of work being done. I mean, they do a great, great job in the community space, but especially at the, you know, sort of five to secondary school space. I think where nationally we need to be better is in the secondary school space, that kind of intermediate through to 19 years old. You know, some girls are starting rugby at 16 years old. They leave school and then the only option for them to continue playing is in women's club rugby. And it's just a massive shift and they're only new to the game. So there's still a big bit of work, I think, that needs to be done in the secondary school space because we don't have representative under 18s and under 20s like the boys do. Um, so then a lot more 
better coaching, better resource needs to be provided in that secondary school space. Hey, Liz, can we now jump forward to this year's Rugby World Cup and the opening game? And I really want to get how you felt in the moment when the team uh, started off with a push, Woodman, I believe, did the haka. And there's a beautiful, it was just spine-tingling moment. You were captured uh, as well doing a haka on the sideline. Can you please uh, talk us through that? Yeah, I guess um, the event itself was just massive, you know. Obviously, opening event in Auckland to a pretty stacked out stadium. Um, Hinewehe Mohi, who sung that, the anthem in Māori for the first time, she sung it at the opening. You had a plane that flew over top of the the stadium. To my left, I had the non-strip black ferns in the stands doing the haka, and it's actually when I looked and seen them that I just joined. Um, it only felt right to get in behind my team, um, especially when my mates were beside me doing it. So I kind of just went with what I felt. Um, it, it made me a little bit uncomfortable that it went viral. Like those are the sorts of things you just do in silence, and you know it, it was a bit, yeah, uncomfortable for me that it went viral. But um, I guess for me it was just supporting a co-papa that I've been a part of and that I love so much. Yeah, I'm intrigued to why you say you felt it uncomfortable because. The whole, and the, this word has been used before in regards to this group of black ferns, the whole authenticity was a huge part of capturing New Zealand's attention. So you were part of that. So why, the un, why being uncomfortable? Oh, I think, I think we live in a day, and I call me old school, but <laughs> we live in a bit of a day where a lot of stuff gets done for the likes and the Instagram posts and things like that. And yep. moments like those, I think, are just, they're private and they're intimate. And, um, yeah, I mean, it went viral and initially I felt a little bit uncomfortable. But it, at the end of the day, I did look at the other side of it, probably where you're coming from as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz, I was so, immensely yeah, was proud of you. I'm sure your whanau would have been immensely proud of you. And feel connected to your team, the Black Ferns, uh, just showed once more what Stephen said, that, that togetherness. Now let's go away from the game because you started to transition, didn't play in the Rugby World Cup, but your amazing work that you did, the positivity that you had on the panel. Did you enjoy uh, discussing and sharing your thoughts uh, on the game with New Zealand? Yeah, I did actually. And, and I've always said that it was probably the second best seat in the house. You know, obviously the best seat is down on the grass. But um, I still felt like I was hugely a part of this huge occasion. Um, I felt like I was as close to the action as I could be. And I also seen that there was an opportunity to not just highlight how good a quality the rugby was going to be and how it, the potentials that the game has, but also just connecting the audience you know, the audience that we don't have and that was captured um, with the player and not just the player but the person behind the jersey. So I guess me and Christina Sue have that insight into individuals and into the team environment. And so for us to be able to share that with the public, I think that just helped in actually connecting our audience with who these women are and what they're doing and, and how amazing they are. So we've been talking about the authenticity and the openness of the Black Ferns. Now, I'm going to play a little bit of a devil's advocate here because we did ask, ask ourselves this question. Do you believe yes. that if the Black Ferns sort of become fully professional and there is a more, more attention, more criticism, more eyeballs on the Black Ferns and women's rugby, do you think and do you believe 
the authenticity and openness can remain and should remain? I 100% believe that it should remain. Um, I think it can remain, but there's going to be, it's going to need to be a lot of work done to really um, keep that because I think when I was first in the team, we were amateur. Then when I captained the team, we moved to semi-professional and I guess I took them, well, I was uh, one of the leaders as we moved to professional at the start of this year. So um, I think 50, 42 Black Ferns are currently on full-time professional contracts. Um, I have seen a shift between 2017 and now in terms of girls' attitudes towards the game, in terms of entitlement um, and those sorts of things. Not everybody, don't get me wrong, but it is there. Um, I think the devil's advocate that you're talking about is definitely there. That's got the potential to rear its head and, and, and take that away from the team and what they've done so far. So the people who run the team, um, the leaders, I think it's just something they need to talk about. You know, um, I, I love that Wayne Smith connected the team to the to the community. He was very big on community engagement. So I hope that whoever takes on the team upholds that. Um, in order to go forward, we need to go. We need to know where we've come from. So I think there's a real onus on that next group of leaders and the coaching group coming in to connect our current black friends to our story. Because, 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 Liz, I'm going to jump in here because I honestly, I know exactly where you're going and I think Wayne Smith is an unsung hero in this whole campaign, but uh, people don't want... We, we, were, we were talking the fact that if only the All Blacks themselves could be as authentic. I know there is an enormous amount of history surrounding the men in black, but we keep coming back to this yeah. word of evolving and they need to evolve too. I think there still needs to be a reconnection to maintain the dominance that they can have on the world stage as the Black Ferns can do as well. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And like, I'm, I'm really lucky that I've had a lot of interaction with the All Blacks boys. And so I actually think they're misunderstood a lot of the time. Um, the guys who I've met have always been as down to earth as you'd ever meet anyone um, welcoming you know, approachable, all those things. So I can only say things about them. What I do wonder, though, is if the structures around them, you know, the media people that run their media campaigns, um, the coaches, the trainers, all those sorts of things, the restrictions that they put around the players, that's probably an area that probably needs to be looked at, you know. Sometimes, like in our campaign, we might not be allowed to go to a promo because it's too much time on feet. Well, make someone available because not everyone has to play that Saturday. So make those girls available for that, you know? Um, and outside the assembly group, there's always a group of girls outside that. Use those players to keep connecting to the community. There will be ways around it. Well, I, for one, Liz, love the culture that you've set, love the joy that you bring to our game, love the new fans. Uh, an atmosphere was so different to an all-black game. You know, we're blokes watching the all-blacks as tradition. We get nervous with our team. I felt when I was watching the Black Ferns, I had so much joy. The entertainment, I was really, really excited. So you and the other fellow players are aware of maybe some of the, the barriers in the way. You'll overcome those barriers. I'm sure the joy will continue. Just finally on the game, you are at Eden Park. Did you feel or is the Black Ferns destiny to win 
that because the longer the game went on, the more confident I was that we'd won it. Yeah, I mean, confidence in the girls. Sorry, I hope I've heard this correctly. I've just had a bit of noise in the background. Um, I was very confident in the girls to be able to win that game. I think, man, if England had have had their fifteenth person, it could have been a you know very different outcome. I'm not sure. Like, I really credit them for playing sixty minutes with fourteen ladies and leading most of that game. So. I don't think it was our best performance, but there were some critical moments and some critical individuals like Stacey Waka that really stepped up in that game. See, I think even with, and this is just assuming, and it's a, it's a terrible thing to assume anything in sport, but even with 15, I just thought it was the Blackburn's night. I just thought with the, the voice of Eden Park behind them, the power of the country behind the Blackburn's, it was their destiny. They were going to find a way. So now, Liz, you've made... This big decision, and it's a huge decision in an athlete's career. you clearly got family behind you helping with the decision to retire. Will you stay connected with the game, or what's next? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I definitely want to stay in the game in some capacity. I'm just probably trying to figure out what that is. I do have an interest in coaching, but I also have a passion for the governance side of the game and how I can influence in that space. Um, so it's just figuring out what the heck I want to do. At the moment, I'm unemployed, so I've got a bit of work to do to figure out what I do. But I will definitely continue to give back to the game. OK, well, you've given us so much, but we, we have to ask the, the question. After 22 years, what, what is that one memory, one moment that you will treasure? Or are there too many? Oh, my gosh, there's so many. <laughs> I mean, I think back to my first game of rugby, um, 12 years old, inter-school exchange in Taumaranui. Um, me and my three best mates jumped in with the boys team and it was the first game that my dad came and watched me play. So, um, And he was really proud to see me play after that. And um, Yeah, my dad's not with us anymore, so um, that memory is pretty special for me. Well, thank you very much, Liz, for your service to the game, and not just to you personally, but to your whanau for allowing you the time, and I know that it takes a lot of time, both physically and emotionally, uh, to play our sport, so thank you very much for your done. I really enjoyed uh, the input that you had on the panel. I really enjoyed that insight, your connection with the team, so enjoy retirement. It's not as bad as people make it out to be. You've, you've done brilliant in the game. The next step will be equally as exciting but thank you very much for what you've done oh thank you so much and thanks for having me today guys i appreciate it you are more than welcome les elder retires after 22 years in the game and 22 tests and a world cup and a farah palmer cup to her name as well it's 220 224 on the rugby run with stephen mckiver and 79 test all black ian carmo jones we mentioned the professor wayne smith and you've had communications you know wayne really well what he did should not go unnoticed. Phenomenal. He, he changed as a coach. Clearly, he had to understand, which I thought were always evolving, right? And, and, and Wayne We've Smith, used that word a lot today, haven't we? We have, but that's if you, if you don't evolve your hands still, you actually go backwards, right? And Wayne Smith's passion is knowledge for the game is second to none. We know no question about that. So what I said to Liz, the further that game went on, I knew Wayne was going to make some tactical changes at half time, like he's done on countless occasions with the All Blacks, and things would change like they did in the second half. But one of the real great things that stands out to me about Wayne Smith, 
who as a player and a coach has given so much to the game, he went out of his way to understand how to communicate with women athletes. Totally different than men. You can't compare the All Blacks and the Black Ferns, yet we're under the same umbrella and we are a strong brand together. Two different teams, right? Two different cultures. The tradition, rightly or wrongly, are different. But Wayne Smith took the time out to how do I communicate and get the best out of my athletes? And, and he went about that, which is just another layer of why Wayne Smith, in my opinion, is so good. And he learned so much about the game. And the thing about communication, and one of the strengths of New Zealand rugby, is when you give, you get so much back in return. And Wayne Smith is a giver. He will communicate, and there is no secrets in world rugby that Wayne Smith will, would not be happy to share. Because the more he shares with Australia, South Africa, England, whoever – the more he gets back and the more he learns. And that, I think, for a coach uh, for, or any sports team, really, is, is a real key. Don't hold things. Share and, and, and reap the rewards. If I'm correct, Ian, there was a moment and I, I heard or read that working with the Blackferns had reignited his passion for coaching again. I wonder whether he's yet done well, I don't know if he's yet done. I mean, the, the guy has given so much service, and we have to give confidence to the next people coming through. With the greatest respect to yep. Wayne Smith, mm-hmm. to Sir Graham Henry, Steve Hansen, and all our greats, and they'll always be there on tap if a young coach comes through and wants some knowledge. That's how they give back. But they also get things in return, like the energy, rejuvenation, like you're talking about. That is that um, yin and yang. But we also have to have confidence in the next players coming through. Well, I never stress, Stephen, about a great all-black retiring. Uh, 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 look, we, we, we applaud them for what they do, but I just have confidence that the next person will be as good, if not greater. And remember, no retiring all-black great was as good from game one as they were in game 100. They get better. You know, so when when player A comes in to replace the legend and he's not exactly like the legend was in his last game, well, give him time. He will become a different player. So let's, I never stress about uh, rotation because I know our depth, and that's what's really important about New Zealand Rugby. We continue to have meaningful competitions at lower levels to keep producing the players that we've produced. As a former black, and knowing what the crowd was like at Eden Park for the Black Ferns World Cup final. A friend of mine who is an Englishman said it was the best game of rugby, as you've said to me, uh, that they've ever been to. But he said it, the noise was constant, unlike an all-black test. Do you think that energy, that style, will ever transfer to the all-blacks and their supporters? Or is it up to the all-blacks to say, hey, come on, this is how we, we, we play now, this is what we want to be? No, I don't think. Well, there's different it's, crowds it's at different crowds at the games for a start, right? Lots of families, lots of young teenage girls, and you and I have had teenage yeah. girls. Yeah. They are they are loud. I mean, they are a different loud just don't to stop. your to your teenage boy, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're they're different beasts out, out there. They're, Good. They're, they're freer with their they're, emotions. They're so free with their emotions. And anyone who's been to on the sidelines of a netball game or indoors at a netball <laughs> or, or a Taylor Swift concert, God forbid, they are, <laughs> they are loud occasions, aren't they? They're, yeah. They are different. So no, I don't think we're ever going to have 
that the, same the, that vibe? That kind of rock concert vibe at an All Black test Does that it, disappoint no, you? No, it doesn't disappoint me because because that's who we are. That's what it is. I mean, but the All Black crowds have gotten the All Blacks over the lines on countless occasions just with their energy, the black, 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 and their wave that they push. Not the same screaming as a 14-year-old teenage girl, <laughs> I understand, but they're different teams, right? Um, crowds need to evolve, Ian. <laughs> crowds need to evolve. Not when, not when it's involved the All Blacks, right? Oh, All Blacks is about now, now, tradition. Now. And, and that, I guess that's what that's people... What, that's, what, that's what you are fearful of, aren't you? You, you, you are a little, not, bit, no, a little fearful bit fearful of the, of the, of the tradition just, being tainted somewhat. No, I'm, I'm not. I just I think that's what... When, when the All Blacks are playing, this is who we've been for 100 years. But do we have to say that for like no, that for another hundred years? No, we don't have to say that like that. And I'm, I'm only bring, picking hairs here, let, right? Let's bring along 660 to an all-black game. It'd yeah. be fantastic. Yeah. You know, we can't keep on ro- rolling out uh, <laughs> Dave Dobbin. I love Dave Dobbin to bits. <laughs> uh, but let, if that's what we want to do. But, yeah. but you know, they are different teams, different people that go along and watch them. Do we have to put this Black Ferns win in context because my friend, who I said it was, that he's, I said he said yes, and we had we started having this discussion that you and I are having, and he said yeah, but hang on a minute, it was the moment, and it's the moment that will live with me for such a long time, because we went down that path of okay, what's next? Is Super Rugby Opaki long enough? Should they be playing double headers with Super Rugby? You know, how are they going to make the most of this moment? For the here and now, Stephen, we have to celebrate the moment because that was the moment. That was the Rugby World Cup. Uh, there was no other moment that they could have peaked for and celebrated for. So we absolutely have to enjoy that moment. What comes, what's the evolution, what happens in 2023 will come. What I have to say about New Zealand, we are set up in our clubs up and down the country to welcome new players, male and female, into the clubs. They are there. The next step really then goes to New Zealand Rugby Union and World Rugby to put a meaningful calendar together for the players and the coaches and us as fans to look ahead to say, okay, who are our Black Ferns playing next year? Who's coming to Eden Park I'm for England. the celebration? I'm hearing England. Well, bang. We need to put that out there right now, right? So we have these meaningful matches that we can really look forward to. But New Zealand Rugby and our club structures up and down uh, the land is there ready and have the facilities, which are once more hopefully our clubs can get that Silver Lake money and do up uh, the club rooms like we're talking with Liz. So it's a standard for everyone. Uh, they are ready for them. Oh, nice positive, nice positive thoughts. 2.32 on the Rugby Run. Coming next, we talk to Kenny Laban. 2.36, this is the Rugby Run with Stephen McIver and Ian Jones wrapping up the All Black year and the, the last test of the year, 25 All. But we're going to bring in someone who... And we're going to talk rugby league to start, believe it or not. The, the Samoan Ray Warren, Ken Laban, direct from his favourite part of the world, which is Welly. Hello, Koru. How are you? Hello, Stephen. How are you, mate? Yeah. <laughs> tell me, what did you make of that uh, Rugby League World Cup final? And tell me you well, watched it. Yes, I just They tell me that sport can, well, they tell us that sport can be a vehicle to express ourselves. And we've seen that in rugby league with Ponga. Um, and then, of course, over the last four or five weeks, we've seen it with um, with Samoa. Best Samoa team ever um, assembled. Um, I think six players out of the Penrith Panthers, two teams, two players out of Parramatta, um, a total of eight players who played in the NRL Grand Final. 
you throw in a couple of New South Wales State of Origin players and a couple of Queensland players, Josh Papali, um, among them, Stephen, and you have the situation where um, the Tor Samoa team, uh, they, they, did, they didn't win the game, but they didn't embarrass themselves. Nice words. Were you, were you, were you a happy boy watching that game? Yeah, very proud. You know, um, all of those uh, all of those boys, most of them, on my side, either in Australia or New Zealand, are all children of the Great Migration, as many New Zealanders are um, as well, and many listening um, to our show this afternoon, so they would understand the importance of, you know, acknowledging ancestry and family, and, um, you know, we always they say we all walk in the shadows of those who went before us, uh, and that has very much been the theme of the Tour Samoa team over the last four or five weeks. They've been a joy to watch. Um, and the fervent support that we have seen here in New Zealand in the Pacific and around the world has been special. Ken Kama here, mate. How are you, mate? I'm very good, champ, but I want to move it very quickly away from rugby uh, <laughs> league with the greatest respect. From rugby uh, league. And, uh, <laughs> and chat about the greatest game on, uh, on Earth Rugby Union. And I just want uh, <laughs> once more to take your mind back to, to this morning, 6.30 a.m., Twickenham. Of course, and your thoughts on the All Black performance against England? Yeah, well, firstly, it was a grand occasion. Um, if we were going to look at it from a, a strictly New Zealand point of view, we would be difficult. We would be disappointed um, with 25 all having lead by 25 points uh, to six, I think it was at one stage, and seemingly, un- seemingly under control. And then a couple of unbelievable tries out of the backfield from, uh, from England to bring them right back into it and finish up the season 25-0. Um, it is interesting, Kamo, looking at the top-tier countries now, and you go back to the era when you played, when uh, we were very dominant on the uh, on the world scene, and it wasn't that long ago that all of these northern tours would just about be pushovers uh, for us, and it doesn't seem that long ago we were questioning the viability of even having them, given the lack of competitiveness of the northern hemisphere teams, and things have changed over the last four or five years, and we look at Argentina beat England, um, last week, we look at that thrilling game between France um, and Australia not that long ago um, as well. Um, and they're all in the cash. And, of course, Ireland's fantastic um, form as well. They're, they're all reflections of just how close it is at the elite level in the game now to win. OK, then, Ken. So look at the year as a whole, 2022. Um, start to finish, how much has this team changed and the coaching structure changed? Well, they're going to finish the season six wins in a draw on the last seven starts. And we were seemingly in a uh, in a very difficult situation in South Africa. Uh, the changes brought um, were significant ones. Um, a couple of young front rowers and, you know, there were many of us questioning whether it was too early for Ethan um, and for Tyrell uh, to come in. We weren't quite sure about Samasoni. Um, as well, given how steady and how consistent the front row um, had been. They were ambitious calls. In my view, three rookie front rowers that are brought in um, halfway through the um, through the international season. Um, and I think that, to me, that's been the biggest, that's been the biggest change. I mean, look, you know, essentially the lots have stayed the same, the back three have, um, have stayed the same. You know, the little bit of disruption with um, uh, with Barrett going from uh, from lock to blindside, Flanker, um, which I think is where he's probably going to stay um, now, and so I think the biggest change that they brought in mid mid season was the front rowers.
And the big debate we've been having here with Stephen MacGyver is the seventh position. Sam Kane, unfortunately, uh, copped an injury in Japan. He's back here uh, rehabbing, looking forward to the cheese season next year. Dalton Papali'i, give me your thoughts on him uh, and what he's done over the last three weeks. Yeah, well, you're no stranger, um, Carmo, to being an, being an established player in a team and young players um, coming along. There is no doubt that Dalton Papali'i um, is a world-class number seven, but Sam Kane's the captain. Uh, he's going to get an entire summer, and more than likely he's going to get a full off-season and pre-season to prepare for 2023. He will be the captain, and he'll lead the team into the World Cup next year. On, on his day, he is the best number seven in the world. Uh, Dalton Papali, he's very close, but he's not at the level, in my view, of uh, Sam Kane, who's an outstanding leader. And I've talked to a number of senior All Blacks who I know well, and they have a very, very high regard for Sam's toughness, for his attitude and for his leadership. Um, and we all know that Dalton is travelling the same path um, as Sam, so we're, we're well served in the number seven duties. But if I had to pick the All Black team tomorrow and everybody was fit and available, Sam would be the captain and Dalton would be on the bench. You're highly regarded, we know that, and both sevens will have the opportunity to showcase their skills during Super Rugby, um, and and no doubt give opportunities to in the seven jersey. But I'll just get your thoughts very quickly on what do you think really is the number one takeaway outside of experience being the skipper, this is Sam Kane I'm talking about here, Ken, that makes you so sure what he brings to the team is better than what Dalton Papali'i brings to the team. Well, firstly, they're both outstanding players. Uh, but the biggest thing that um, Sam Kane brings, um, Kamo, he's the captain. Um, and you know, he has the final say on um, on everything. He um, mentally and psychologically, he's a driving force uh, behind the team Monday to Monday to Friday, and, um, and 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 he's a physical leader. You know, Dalton Papali, of course, is all of those things, but he's not at that leadership level yet. But in time, he's going to be. We can all we can all see that. But for the time being, he's just going to have to wait out and sit behind the captain. Now, by design or good luck, we had a change from uh, your Hurricanes uh, fullback, Geordie Barrett, moving from 15 to 12. Uh, his combination with Rico Ioani and the impact he's made in the 12 jersey. Your thoughts there, Ken? Yeah, well, individually, we both know that they're terrific players. Um, I would give them maybe a five and a half out of 10 as a 12 13 um, combination. Not enough time uh, together, not enough games uh, together to get that Ma'anonu Conrad Smith relationship um, sorted out. But there's no doubt that Geordie uh, Barrett, at six foot five and 104 kilos, is a very, very dominant physically um, uh, player. And um, I think that him and Rico could develop into something terrific. And if they have a good lead in next year and some consistent games together, they could be anything those two is appearing in the midfield. Okay. I'm excited at what Geordie can bring. Yeah, OK, Ken, we can put 2022 to bed. We can only look ahead to 2023. Um, what's your thoughts on the chances of the All Blacks in France? Oh, I'd give them every chance. Um, the fact that they've done the fact that they've done so well and been able to turn it around, um, they've faced a bit of adversity uh, this year, which is that what they're going to face is immediately they get out of the pool play. Um, that World Cup, as you know, Carmo, when they get to France, 
um, next year, and I, I, give them, I give them every chance to have been successful at the World Cup next year. Okay, can we sort can, when when we talk to you next? Can we sort the, the telecommunications at uh, Wainui because yeah, it always sounds scratchy where you are, man. What's going on? You living in behind a mountain? I'm at the airport. <laughs> Uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you, Kenny. Oh, oh, no. Same, brother. All right. Love Same to talk about Take care, eh? Way back in the day, Steve, we used to, the All Blacks used to, when we played in Wellington, we'd always bus over the hill, go to Wainui Mata. First time I met uh, Tana Umanga was, he was running water or up and down the sideline, young kid. Tana Umanga, Piri Wipu, yeah. was there. The, the hospitality, i got to say, at the Wainui Mata Rugby Club, um, fronted by Ken Laban yeah. and his, his mates, who are still doing it to this very oh, day. Um, one of the pleasures of uh, playing a test <laughs> match in Wellington. He is, and he's still posting the fact he's playing touch rugby as well. Him and, him and all, the, all the grandpas out there, I think I saw it on Facebook the other day. It's 2.46. It's 10 to 3, time to wrap up the final edition of the Rugby Run with Stephen McIver and Ian Jones. And Carmo, uh, when you look back on the rugby year, not just the All Blacks year, do you think it's been a good year for the game? Well, we can say yes because of the Black Ferns. That's given us the enormous warm fuzzies. But what about the rest of the game? Uh, yeah, that's a good question, Stephen. I mean, we, there was frustrations from the All Blacks early on. I think a lot of those frustrations, of course, was maybe some of the selections they went through, uh, some of the standards that we, we mentioned mm. uh, at the start. But they made those changes. They got rid of, uh, and once more we thank them for their service, but they got rid of a couple of coaches, brought in a couple more experienced players, and that did make a huge difference. So I think... That's changed. They made the changes that they needed. I lo- to I'm sorry. I just, I just love how you segued. Got rid of a couple of coaches. Thank you for your service and move on. Sorry. Well, you do. That's sport, You're right? You're brutal, man. You'd be a great coach. Yeah, but that's sport, mate. You've got to move on pretty damn quickly because if you don't move on, you dwell on it. We yeah. might have lost a couple more games. Yeah. The, the, big, the, the real big game for me was the Ellis Park Test match. That will go down in history. Really was for the All Blacks. They lost week before over in South Africa. Made the changes. Ethan the route coming on to Roll Lomax. It was a, a really good dominant display to win at Ellis Park. That was a hell of a game. That should always be considered a success if you can win over there. And we've made some big strides heading towards next year. Well, before we finish up, I just want to congratulate Brody Retallick, a hundredth Test match. Oh, yeah. uh, the longevity you know shows this passion once more. His family's passion. Uh, for the game, so I congratulate on him. Didn't Big get the chance. Head. Big petrol head. Yeah, didn't get the chance last week, but Mark Talia, your first test match in Scotland, backed it up again. Uh, second test match at Twickenham. And Stephen, when you become an All Black, it is a life changing experience to play for the All Blacks. It really is. And I'm sure it is the same for the, for the Black Ferns, for the Kiwis, whatever mm. team you play for. It, it's just the values that the Black Ferns or the, the All Blacks sets for you and your family. It is just it, it's incredible. So I wish Mark Talia all the best. I want to, uh, the All Blacks to continue, and Joe Smith will make sure of this, and Jason Ryan in particular. The standards uh, that they've now set cannot be lower, and I think Sam Whitelock has a big bearing on that. And we have a pretty simple blueprint for success, Stephen. It's, it's set phase domination. It, it's go forward big numbers uh, to the breakdown, which in my opinion is why Cody Taylor uh, deserves a start because we, we throw big numbers and get good quality ball. When we get good quality ball, the Aaron Smiths and the Richard Mwangas of the world can do things. Um, when we don't get any of that, and this is at every level of the game, the game's hard. 
what we don't want in international rugby, Stephen, when you want to dominate, you don't want the game to be hard. You want to dominate and control the game at all facets. And that's really got to be our focus heading uh, to next year. But that's next year's next year. We all deserve a bit of a break. We all deserve some time out, mm. some reflection, see what we're going to do. Well, but uh, but I, you're not mate, I always you're... enjoy my rugby year because it's my sport and I love it. But you're finishing the year off with a Topo Ironman. Yeah, three well, weeks away. Well, uh, I, I know you've been on this journey for a long time. It's not your first rodeo, but what drives you to push your body to its limit? I love events. I, lo- I love uh, having a focus to, to train for. I uh, like uh, something to get out of bed to do. Uh, so, yeah, three weeks I'm doing an Ironman, but more, very quickly, I'm not sure no, how long we've we got. about a minute and a half. Okay, a minute and a half, 14th of February next year. Now, there's me and this guy called Rick Wells. We swam from oh. Great Barrier Island to Takapuna last year. Oh, that's 100K. right, yeah, raising money. We were raising well, money, right? Yeah, this year, well, here we go. Uh, doing it with Mike King, or next year, Mike King, Gumboot Friday, I am Hope. Keep an eye out. We uh, run swimming and biking the North Island coastline, Cape Reinga to Wellington. Holy hell. It is holy heck, a 16-day journey. Some epic days. We want the community. 16 days. 16 days. If you see us out there, we want you and the communities in the area to come ride, swim, uh, run with us. Um, Which coast? Oh, we're going east coast to down to Napier. Yep. Hop on our bikes to bike over the Tai Happy, Gumboot capital of yep. New Zealand. We'll raft down the Rangitaiki River to Bulls, basically. Run down the coastline to Paraparam and finish in Wellington Harbour so that's I'll get Iron Man out of the way in three weeks time so congratulations to all the athletes good luck to everyone involved in that <laughs> and then we're on to the next epic challenge you are a beggar for punishment uh, so are you going to set up a website for this or, yeah or Hope a... Challenge is what we can take a look at Hope Challenge or have a look on Karma Kid 04 we'll post all the routes and where we're going to be was but, that your Instagram or Twitter handle? Yeah, Instagram. Yeah, because I think Twitter's a Karma Kid 04. Yep. But basically, Stephen, I just like doing epic shit, mind the language. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> and I want people in the community to come and join myself, Rick. Mike King will be there every day. But once more, yeah, Taupo, three weeks' time, I'm ready to go. Mate, been a real, a real treat just having a couple of hours with you and talking footy. Believe it or not, I enjoyed talking footy, and it was good fun. Uh, look after yourself and your beautiful family. Happy Christmas, and good luck for the Taupo Ironman, you mad beast, you. Yeah, it's cool, mate. New Zealanders love do great events. I love the nervous energy pre-event. And the joy post event. Oh, that smile says it all. That's us done for the rugby run in 2022. Coming after your way after three, a lot more sports. Stay with us right here on SENZ. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.